0: The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. Uh, he's kind of a spiritual mentor to these churches in Asia Minor. And these churches there, they've been divided between two ideals of, of who they should follow and what the truth is. And uh, one of them, one group was saying, we have the Christian path that came from John we need to follow. And the other were becoming following of Gnosticism, which we talked about what that was. There's many gods, there's many way to heaven. And and John comes in 1 John, and he begins to write a map out and say, hey, this is your spiritual journey. This is where we need to be spiritually. And John wanted to assure these churches that there was no new movement or no new ideal that his letters and his writings... Uh, were the same here as they were back when he wrote the Gospel of John. And so that is where we are, and that's why John wrote uh, his first letter to these churches at Asia Minor in 1 John. So uh, just as a quick reminder, as we think about our spiritual journey and we think about Uh, reigniting joy today. Joy for the journey. That's the name of our uh, sermon today and finding joy in our spiritual life. And I want to just ask you today, where is your joy at? And if you would say today that maybe you've lost your joy of your spiritual journey, maybe you've never had any joy on your spiritual journey, and you say, well, I'm really not sure what you're talking about. And uh, we need to understand that Christ has called us, and we should have joy within our life. Now, we talked last Sunday night about joy and happiness are completely two complete different things. Uh, happiness is our emotions, and our emotions can change quickly, and we can be happy in one moment, and the next moment we can be sad. That has nothing to do with joy. Joy is something that we have deep-seated within us. It's a fruit of the Spirit that the Spirit of God as he dwells in us, we begin to develop that fruit of joy. And that's what we're talking about this morning is a real deep-founded joy and how we get that. Last week, we looked at the first step to that, and that was building on the right foundation. John said to these churches in Asia Minor, and he says to us today, if we want to have a great spiritual joy, there's some things we need to follow. And the first is this, the right foundation is that God himself became man. See, the church there in Asia Minor, the churches were, were doubting that truth, that, that, that God became man and that he walked among men and that he died on the cross, that he was buried, that he was resurrected. And folks, I would say today, for a lot of folks, that's something they, they have trouble swallowing sometimes. That's something they have trouble really grasping to. So when it comes to our joy in our spiritual life, they begin to look for other things that are more tangible. And John said this, I want to explain to you about the right foundation of our joy. And this is what John John said. He said, I've heard it. Or he said, we've heard it because there were many witnesses to this, not just one. But John said, we've heard it. I've heard it. I've saw Christ. I heard his words. I saw who he was. I looked intently at what he had to say. In other words, after his death, burial, and resurrection, John looked intently upon him. He knew that he was Christ, that he had risen from the dead. He said it wasn't a ghost, it wasn't some mirage, it wasn't something that we dreamed up, but but I saw him, and then I looked intently at him. I touched him, I beheld him, I, I was there with him. And, and that's the last thing. He said not only all of those things, I touched Christ, I know of which I speak. I'm a witness of these things. So as John talks to us today, we can say John and some 500 other people saw Jesus Christ as he was resurrected. They saw him die upon a cross. They saw him resurrected. And John said, hey, for our spiritual life, we need the right foundation. We need to understand Jesus Christ is God himself that come to this earth. He died for our sins. He was buried and he was resurrected again on the third day, and he gives us eternal life. So our spiritual journey is joyful when it's built on the right foundation. Now, here's where we're going to start this morning. Our spiritual journey is successful when we have the right companions. If you're over in 1 John chapter 1, we'll just go ahead and read, starting in verse 1, 1 John 1, 1, in which was from the beginning, which we have heard, we have seen with our eyes, we have looked at, And with our hands we have touched this, proclaiming and concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it, we testify to it, and we proclaim to you eternal life, which is with the Father, and he's appeared to us. Now that was our first point last week. Today, the right companions, verse 3 and 4, we proclaim to you what we have seen and we've heard, so that you may also have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, we write this to make our joy complete. See what John's doing? He said, hey, church, you've lost your spiritual joy. And I'm writing these things that you may have joy and that your joy may be complete, that it may be full. So he says for us to have a complete and full spiritual joy, we need to have the right companions. And when we start thinking about the right companions, we don't only need the right foundation, we need the right companions. And sharing his eyewitness experiences, he says you need to enter into fellowship with these other apostles. Now, I want us to give this a little bit of thought today. We use that word fellowship very loosely today. The word fellowship during those days, the Greek word is koanina, and it means to have a close relationship Listen, of sharing with other people. That's what that word means. A close relationship of sharing with other people. And we're talking about fellowship. One Bible scholar says this, this fellowship that's mentioned here in John is the setting aside of private interests and desires and joining in with others for one common purpose. That's what fellowship is. Fellowship these days has been so watered down, but to set aside one's personal interests and desires and joining with others for a common purpose. It's described as a mutual sharing, whether it's sharing of our lives, whether it's sharing of our hearts, our possessions, our tears, whatever it is. When we think about biblical fellowship, we're thinking about things that take place with others who follow Christ and having a fellowship with them, having a relationship. One of the primary purposes for the church is to provide a place where we as Christians can come together and experience a biblical community. That's the reason for the church, that we can come together and, and have other Christians and, and see what other Christians are going on in their lives and have fellowship with them. Now, I'd say when I say fellowship, most of us will think about the last Sunday of the month. We have a lunch up here. We call it fellowship. Folks, fellowship goes way beyond sitting down together and eating a meal. Now, that is part of fellowship, but we, we need to learn that when we have true fellowship, it's based on a common relationship between God's people. And it's God's people sharing with one another. Look in verse 5. This is the message you have heard from him and declare to you, God is light, in him there is no darkness. And we're going to have fellowship together and figure those things out. We're going to talk about that verse in, in a little more in just a moment. But our spiritual journey is joyful when it's shared with other Christians. Now, I want you to think about this. When we have youth camp, we have our youth come up and they a lot of times give a testimony about what took place. It's always a good time, isn't it? I mean, they say, we did this, and I like the speaker, and I like the music, and we were in the room together, and we talked about this. And, and what happens? We grow as a group. We grow as a spiritually as a group. We grow closer as a group. Why is that? Because they fellowship together. For a week at camp, when we have retreats, and maybe we go off somewhere, and, and people come back and say, oh, we had the best time. Why? Because you were locked up in a room somewhere, fellowship with somebody for a weekend. The if-gathering is coming up here before too long. Isn't that right? Somebody that that would maybe know. I think we're already making some plans. Is that right, Jeremy? Eventually, it's going to be here. It's It's in February, I guess. Well, after that that weekend of of if-gathering, we... We talked to some of the ladies and said, Oh, it was a great weekend. We were just we shared with each other. We got to hear the testimony, the speakers, and and oh, we just grew. It was it was great friendship. What is that? That's fellowship. And when we come out of those times of fellowship, what do we have? We have joy. We have joy for the journey because what has happened is you've gathered together with other Christians, you've laid aside your personal interest and needs although that's part of the fellowship, sharing those personal interests, sharing those needs, and you begin to fellowship one with another. Today we call fellowship is we're going to have a fellowship, we're going to watch Monday night football, or uh, we're going to get together and they're going to have a men's fellowship, which we never talk about our spiritual journey. We have chat rooms that we call... Fellowship on the on the internet and we can get together and we can fellowship with other peoples. But remember the word describes a genuine life involvement, a time of investing ourselves in the relationship with other Christians. That's what fellowship is. Now this morning I don't want you just to tune me out and say, Well, I'm not sure I'm interested in that. If we want joy and spiritual joy, John is telling us, hey, here's the map. Here's the way to get there. Here's, here's how we can find that. And we find that in fellowship with other Christians. Once we build on that right foundation and once we begin to share our lives and share our, our, our joys and share our disappointments and share our struggles and our needs and our prayer requests with one another, then we're fellowshipping together. And through that, we find joy in one another and other Christians. Christians today, for a lot of part, they say, well, that's, that's private. That's something between... Me and Jesus. That's not in the Bible anywhere. That, that's not... You don't find that anywhere unless Satan's saying, hey, you don't need anybody else. It's just you and Jesus. Because we don't find fellowship with other Christians. Why are we a church? Said it just a while ago that a group of believers can come together and share each other's lives. If we decide we're out on an island all by ourselves, we don't have fellowship with one another. And because of that, we lose our joy. The Bible, it's a place where we find biblical fellowship, not with a bunch of perfect people, because none of us are perfect, because we live in fellowship with Jesus Christ. We can come together in the presence of Jesus Christ, and we can find that fellowship. Now, I want want you to, to understand something. Attending a worship service does not guarantee fellowship. This is a worship service. You're attending a worship service. In fact... Even in a church our size, even in a church as small as we are, this is probably the least likely place you're going to find fellowship. Why? Because this morning we've got together, we sing, hopefully we've worshiped together. Yes, we'll find corporate worship. Hopefully we've heard the Word of God. Yes, you'll find godly teaching. Hopefully we've fellowshiped with God and we've had a celebration of God. Hopefully we'll have evangelism All of those things, yes, but probably not fellowship. Because we find fellowship in the smaller groups of folks. We find fellowship when we can sit down and spend time together communing. One small group we have is called Sunday school. And when you go to a Sunday school class, and when you sit down with three or four folks in your room, or six or eight or ten or twelve folks, and you begin to share one another's lives, that's fellowship. And when we miss out on that opportunity to fellowship with other Christians, we're going to lose joy for our journey. I was reading a story about this lady that was driving from Alberta, Canada to the Yukon. She didn't know that it was a, it was a, a bad road, that you should never travel that way alone. And she was in a, an old rundown Honda Civic. So she went off the road and uh, started on a road that was usually reserved for trucks. And uh, on her journey, she pulled over and two truckers stopped with her and they began to talk to her and they said, Where are you headed? And uh, she said, I'm going to Whitehorse. And uh, one of the truckers said, In that little Civic, there's no way you'll ever make it. The pass is dangerous in weather like this. And she said, Well, I'm determined to try. And so he said, Well, I guess that we're going to have to just hug you. And she said, There's no way you're going to hug me. You're not either one of you touching me. And he laughed, and he said, oh, no, no, it's not what I'm talking about. He said, one of us will get in front of you, one of us will get behind you, and we'll carry you through the pass. We call it getting in the rocking chair. If you watched, uh, uh, what was that movie? Uh, somebody tell me, uh, Smokey and the Bandit. Why are you watching old movies like that? <laughs> uh, but uh, and, and, and she said, from that point on, I was able to watch the taillights of the truck in front of me, two little red dots in the fog, as the, true, as the two trucks hugged her through the mountains to get to our safe journey. That's what fellowship is. It's Christians hugging one another. No, we don't have to go around and hug everybody's neck. There's nothing wrong with that. Some people don't like hugging. Some people do like hugging. But it's, it's getting on each side of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And helping them in their journey. That's what fellowship is. We had a great example of that from a Sunday school class last Sunday, I think. Got a couple of cards on my desk and said, hey, one of our members is having these difficulties, and another is having these, you want to sign our card, and we're going to send it to that member of our class. That's fellowship. That's when you're investing in one another's lives. Spend some time in one another's lives. That's true fellowship. Here's my third point this morning. I need to move on. Not only do we need the right companions, we need the right source. And we find that in verse 5. I got a little bit ahead of myself a while ago. In this message you have heard and from him, and declare to you, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Verse 5, we find an emphasis on the right source of our joy. The right source of the joy that God desires for us. In his image, God being light is common in the Bible. Throughout Scripture, you'll find that God is light. and God is light. And we find that image all the time. So, so God is light, and in Him, there's, there's no darkness at all. So God reveals Himself to us, and He makes Himself known to us as people, and His nature is to shine light for us. Now, I want you to think about someone who shines light. Think about a spiritual journey that you're on. Remember, we're all there, and on this Spiritual journey, you have some dark roads you have to cross. We all do, don't we? There's some times we're just getting some darkness. And if we have the right source, then then God is going to shine light on our destination. He's going to be able to help direct us the right kind of light that God provides for us that we may be able to move forward and find joy. If we find ourselves out in darkness... And we're reading all kinds of self-help books and all kinds of things off the internet and all of these things. We're not finding any joy. We've gone to the wrong source. See, John says, the right source is the light of Christ. Listen to this, Psalms 119, 105. It says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. Psalms 119, 130 says, The unfolding of your words gives light It imparts understanding to the simple. Isn't that good? I like that. (laughs) To the simple. That's me. I'm pretty simple, okay? But your words is unfolding and it gives light. And it imparts understanding to the simple. The right source for our spiritual journey is based on God's revelation to us. The right source that we might move forward. I kind of mentioned a while ago, I think today people turn to Psychic Friends Network and uh, Pyramids and Astrology and uh, what's that you read in the paper? All of y'all read horoscopes in the paper. <laughs> y'all knew what it was, just like that. Horoscopes, uh, astrology, Bible scholars, science, church dogmas, whatever. When, when, we, when, when folks begin to turn to those things for spiritual truths, they've got the wrong source. We're going to the wrong well to draw water. John says Christ is the source, and, and the Bible is the only one that stood the test of time. Through ages, it stood the test of time. All 66 books of the Bible, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament, are like God's atlas to us. It's our direction's. It's how we move forward spiritually. And we need to go to the right source. A few years ago, I had to go over to Irving to, to our dispatch center, and I never had been there before. So I called a lady that worked there, and she answered the phone, and I said, hey, I'm coming from Sulphur Springs. I need to go to the dispatch center. And she said, okay, this is what you do. She said, exit on Beltline and go right. Y'all listen. I listened, okay? I asked directions. Amen, men. If you're listening, say I am. Take the first right. Go and take the first left. And we're on the top of the hill on the left. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Exit Beltline. Take a right. Take the first left. Top of the hill on the left. I drove down there. I took a right on Beltline. I took the first left. There's nothing. I looked around, I drove around, I called back, and I said, listen, I'm on Beltline. Well, you went the wrong direction. (laughs) I said, no, I didn't. Is there a man there I can talk to? No, I didn't say that. (laughs) Uh, I didn't say that. Uh, She said, you turned left. I said, I turned right. (laughs) And she said, well, you had to turn left. You know what the problem was? I came from... The south, from the north, and she gave me direction from the south. Just a little lesson. If you're giving direction, use north, south, east, and west. You can't mess up. See, I was coming from a different direction, and her words were correct. But what the problem was, it was the wrong advice that I needed. In other words, when she said, okay, I'm going to give you directions, they were good directions, If you were coming from the south, but I was coming from the north, I went to the wrong source. I should have went to MapQuest or Rand McNally or TomTom or Google Maps, and I would have found that. But I got some information, and even though it was good information, it wasn't the right information for my journey. And, folks, when we go to the wrong information to our journey, I was not joyful As I was driving around in an empty field knowing I was in the wrong place. But if I had went to the right source, I would have been... My stress level would have been down. I would have been there early. I wouldn't have been flying in at the last second trying to explain that I got bad information. Uh, You know, if I had went to the right source to begin with... And I want to ask you, when you think about the truth for your spiritual journey, I want to ask you this serious question. Do you see the Bible as a set of suggestions... Are kind of a combination of folklore and advice, and and you kind of say, well, that's kind of what the Bible says, but you know, i was kind of looking over here, and this preacher says this, and I really like that, and it sounds good, and it may not be biblical, but you know, you kind of Bible might not be always right, and it's it's kind of got some folklore and different things, and we begin to just to press together all kinds of ideals, and then we find ourselves without any joy in our spiritual life. What's happened? We've gone to the wrong source. If we want to find joy in our journey, we need to go to the right source. My last thing is this. If we want to have joy in our journey, we need to have the right goal. Look in verses 6 and 7, 1 John. If we claim to have fellowship, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all of our sin. If we have the right goal, in verses 6 and 7, we find a a hint of, uh, of a misunderstanding that's circulating among these churches in Asia Minor. You can kind of understand, apparently some people were claiming to have fellowship with God. They were saying, hey, we're, we have fellowship with God. John, we, we've, we, we've read your gospel. We have fellowship with God. But they were living in darkness. In other words, they had all this pious talk about, hey, we're, 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 we're Christians. We have all this... We, we follow God. We believe in God. We, we go to church. We come to, we come to service every Sunday in Asia Minor. And we, we sing and we do all the things. But when they left there, they were living lives characterized by disobedience. In other words, they were sinful. They were rebellious. They were walking in darkness. Now, they said, hey, we're, we're walking in light. But their lives demonstrated something completely different. And what was being taught in this church, listen is as long as you believe in Christ, then you can live any way you want to because He doesn't care anymore. Once we're saved, hey, He doesn't care what we do. I know Christians that believe that. I know folks that think, you know, I've trusted in Christ. It doesn't matter what I do because I'm forgiven. Well, that's great to have that that, that belief that, hey, I'm forgiven, and, and no matter what, I'm forgiven. But we need to go back and look and say, If I'm walking in darkness, John says we have no fellowship with light. In other words, it focuses on us. If we come to the point of saying, I'm a Christian, I'm going to live a sinful life, we're looking at ourselves all of a sudden. Because if Jesus Christ has called us and saved us, he changes something within us. When we begin to sin, we begin to say, you know what? I'm out of fellowship. I've lost my joy. I'm not walking with the Father anymore. I don't come to church, and and my goal is not to worship. I just go through motions. Because if we have the wrong goal, and that goal is to say, I'm going to live whatever life, I'm going to misquote Scripture, eat, drink, and be merry, because tomorrow I'm going to die, and I'm just going to do my own thing. After all, I believe in God, and that's going to get me to heaven. We need to understand, John says, it's impossible for us to live a life in darkness and claim to have the light of the Father. And for us to find joy in our spiritual life, we need to have the right goal because in Christ there is no darkness. In God there is no darkness. That doesn't mean that we're perfect. It doesn't mean that we have to be perfect. But I want you to look in verse 7. It says, If we walk in the light as Christ is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. There we are, back to fellowship. And the blood of Jesus purifies us, purifies us from all sin. Now, I want you you to know what that word means. That word purify means to erase a stain caused by sin. It's a process of ongoing, a process of, of purifying us. As we walk in the light, as we walk with Christ, we don't all of a sudden become perfect. Now, we all of a sudden become forgiven, And God says, I've I've cast your sins as far as the east is from the west, a sea of forgetfulness. I don't remember them no more. But if we fail to walk in the light, we're not being purified from our unrighteousness. Purifying, just think of this, a stain that's being erased, a stain of sin that's being erased, an ongoing process. Our spiritual journey will be joyful when it leads to transformed lives. Now, if we have... I'm just going to throw say we have 30 years of sin that we've dealt with, and we come to Christ, and sometimes you hear people's testimonies. Boy, I was going down the wrong road, and I was doing drugs, and I was alcoholic, and I, and boy, God saved me, and, and I was, it was gone. And I, I've been on the straight in there ever since. I talked to a guy Thursday night, and he, uh, we stood out there in the parking lot, and he gave me his whole testimony. He was, I don't know how old he is, 60 years old probably, and he said a year ago... I'd been running from the Lord and he got a hold of me and, and uh, he saved me and he told me all about his life. And he said, it's, it's an ongoing journey. He said, I'm not where I need to be, but thank God I'm not where I was. That's the process of purification. See, he understood that. I'm not where I need to be, but God is slowly erasing those stains caused by sin. And folks, if we live in darkness, then we're not being purified from those unrighteousness, our spiritual journey to be joyful, it needs to be lived in a transformed life. I want you to picture your spiritual life as a dark stage. I started to have all these lights turned off, but it wouldn't be dark. And then on that dark stage no doubt you've seen this on TV or different things there's a spotlight. And that spotlight shines and all of a sudden you go to that spotlight and you get in that spotlight and then it begins to move. Our spiritual journey, if we want to have transformed lives, you know what that is? We need to, we need to strive to stay in that light as it moves. You know why it's moving? Because God is creating us in His image. He, he's making us more like Him. Ephesians says that, that God is always transforming us into His likeness. So as we follow the light, we don't want to stay over here in the darkness and look over there and say, yeah, there's the light over there, but I, I think I'm okay over here. We need to stay in the light because in walking in that light, we're being purified from unrighteousness. For us to have joy in our journey, our lives need to be... Transformed. If there didn't need to be a transformation, why would God call us? Why would He separate us and set us aside? Because He wants us to have joy in our journey, and for us to find joy, there needs to be a transformation of our lives. Y'all know that if you come on Sunday nights or Wednesday nights, I talk about uh, lock up a lot. I just like it. Show. I almost give a. Who all watches it on Sunday morning? Nobody on Sunday night. Bless y'all's heart. Bless y'all's heart. Well, lockup is a show. Of, do y'all know what it's about? A few of you do. It's just a. It's just a documentary on prisons, and uh, they go into prisons and and spend months and months with prisoners, and uh, it just deals with their everyday life. I don't know why I like it so much, but I I, I just like it, <laughs> uh, huh? 209 on Dish. I don't know. <laughs> about four channels I watch, that's one of them, 209. Uh, anyway, it just comes on Saturdays and Sundays, but that's beside the point. Doesn't matter about the show. Here's what I want you to hear. What we've talked about this morning is, is something that in, in these lives of these men and women that have been locked up, this is a reoccurring theme Over and over. We've talked this morning about joy and what joy is and how we find joy for our journey. The first is this. We need to have the right foundation. That's built on Jesus Christ. That's the foundation for joy for the journey. The second is this. We need to have the right companions. That's fellowship with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Folks, if you're out of fellowship with this church, I'm going to say I don't believe you have joy in your journey. I believe you've missed an experience of joy. The third thing, we need to go to the right source for our directions, And the fourth is we need to have the right goal, and that's to have transformed lives. Now, listening to folks that's made bad decisions, here's what you hear over and over and over again. These are reoccurring themes. I made some bad choices growing up because of my family. Now, I think you've got to step up and take responsibility for yourself. But... What's that saying? They're saying, I had the wrong foundation. From the very beginning, I had a bad foundation, and because of that, I'm in prison now. The other reoccurring theme you hear is this, and I got with the wrong crowd. Can you hear that? Can you hear this? I grew up in a bad neighborhood, and I got with the wrong crowd. See, that's the second step towards that failure. The wrong companions. And then I was convinced that this was the right thing to go. I thought I could find happiness here. I thought I could find friends here. I thought I could find fellowship. I thought I could be a family with these companions, and I believed their lies. That's the wrong source, isn't it? See, they went to the wrong source of information, and... As they got the wrong foundation and they, they got the wrong companions and they went to the wrong source for their directions, they ended up robbing or stealing or murdering. They ended up doing something. And their goal was not to end up in prison. Their goal was to find happiness. Their goal was to find joy. But they had the wrong goals before them and the wrong patterns before them And they ended up in failure. Now, folks, we're not going to end up in prison today if we don't have fellowship with other Christians. We may end up in a spiritual prison. But for us to have joy, and for us to have joy for the journey, John lays it out. We need the right foundation with the right companions, the right source of directions, and the right goals. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. I want you to think about those four things. If you've lost your joy... You may say, well, I listened to this preacher the other day, and he said this, and I liked that. and I've, Boy, I put it on my Facebook page, and, and I, I highlighted it, and that's, that's okay, that's great. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm saying this, would you try this? If you've lost your joy, if you would say today, you know, I, boy, I can remember back when... Or maybe I've never experienced that. Would you try this today? Would you make sure that your relationship's got got the right foundation? That it's built on the truth of Jesus Christ. Not any doubt. John said, hey, I walked, I talked, I seen, I touched. Jesus Christ died, was buried, and was resurrected, and I'm a witness to these things. We all were. So, church, I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is the real thing that we build our foundation on. If you've lost that joy, have you forsaken the fellowship of other Christians? Boy, there's a great opportunity to come together. When we invest in our lives, when we share each other's lives, we're truly going to find joy for the journey. We're thinking about maybe starting some things after the first of the year on Sunday nights, an opportunity for you to go to folks' houses and just just build that time of fellowship. We'll have more information about that coming soon. Boy, I've just lost something. I've lost the joy. Are you living on an island spiritually? Have you separated yourself from brothers and sisters in Christ? And just because of that, you've lost that joy. Have have you gone to the right source? I can worship God in a golf course as good as I can worship Him in church. Well, maybe you can. What source of information did you glean that from? The Bible says this, Forsake not the assembly of the believers, of the brethren. What's your goal? What's your goal? Well, when my kids get grown, I'm gonna get closer to the Lord. Boy, when I get when I finally retire, then I'm gonna get things right. Well, when I get my boy, I got some living to do that I know is not right. I wanna I wanna live in darkness. So, boy, what's your right goal this morning? If you want joy for the journey, boy, David said, "Restore to me the joy of my salvation." The Lord said, "I wanna give you that joy that your joy may be complete, that my joy might be in you, and that you would just be a." a recipient of God's joy. This morning, I want to ask, would you look at the road map? Not that Jake's laid out, that anybody, any man's laid out, but look at how God has directed the Apostle John to say, hey, if you want joy for the journey, here's the road map. Here's the directions. And then would you give them a try? Just start dabbling around and see if God will not restore the joy of your salvation. Father, I pray this morning, as we consider our lives with you, we consider the foundation that we build our lives upon, we consider, Father, our companions, our sources, we, we just consider our transformed, our goal of transformed lives. Lord, I pray that, that you, through your Spirit, would reveal to us today of those areas which we're failing in, and those areas that is robbing us of our joy. Father, we know through your word that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Father, if he can rob us of our joy, if he can kill our desire to be with God's people, to be with fellowship, to seek you as our source, then, Father, he can just kill that joy and that relationship that you desire for us. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would lead us, would guide us, would teach us and direct us today. And, Lord, we'll be about your business that we might have joy. And today, when we leave this, we could just sing, I've, I've got joy within my heart today. devil doesn't like it. He can set on attack because i got joy in my heart today. Father, however your spirit would lead us, I pray that we'd respond to your word today in the name of Jesus. Amen.